You're listening to Comedy Central. May 29th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight is an educator, an author, and a former second lady of the United States. Dr. Jill Biden is joining us, everyone. We're going to have a fun chat to her about a brand new memoir. Also on tonight's show, The Church is Moving into the Future. Netflix takes a stand on abortion, and Robert Mueller finally speaks. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's begin with Mitch McConnell. Senate majority leader and guy who had his face ripped off by a chimp, but then got an experimental face transplant that mostly worked. (laughs) You may remember, back in 2016, McConnell blocked President Obama from appointing Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court because a president shouldn't get to fill a Supreme Court seat in an election year. (laughs) But now that Donald Trump is president, McConnell says, players gotta play. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is raising some eyebrows this morning for comments that he made during a luncheon in Kentucky yesterday. McConnell was asked what would happen if a Supreme Court seat opened up in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. Oh, uh, we'd fill it. <laughs> you know, say what you want about Mitch McConnell but he is truly the perfect movie villain, right? No, he is. And not just because he looks like if Jabba the Hutt got a gastric bypass. No, no. It's because, it's because, like, look at how he did it. He took a sip of his drink, and then he just revealed his evil plan. Then he gave a creepy-ass smile. This is classic movie villain. I'm surprised he didn't end the press conference by turning into a cloud of bats. It's like, It's also funny, because, like, when a villain does this in a movie... We're always like, you idiot, why would you reveal your plan? Now the good guys can stop you. But in real life, we're just like, aha, now we can stop him. We just need 50 votes in the Senate to, uh, wait, who's got the votes? That's right, I can do what I want, bitch. (laughs) And the worst part is Mitch McConnell lives so deep in Senate procedure that it's not easy to explain to people why his plan is so evil, all right? Now other people are easy to explain. Like normal villains, you can, just, you can just be like, why is he evil? Oh, he eats children. But with Mitch, it's like, why is he so evil, Trevor? It's like, okay, so historically, the Senate has been defined, right, has defined its mandates as advice and consent, and it's just like, hey, where you going? <laughs> Moving on. The abortion battle in America continues to heat up. Alabama passed an abortion ban, and now there's a lawsuit that has been filed to block it. Missouri is trying to shut down its only abortion clinic, and people are rallying to keep it open. And over in Georgia, its new anti-abortion law has earned it a powerful enemy. Netflix is vowing to rethink its entire investment in Georgia if the state's recently passed abortion law goes into effect. The streaming giant also plans to work with the ACLU to fight the measure in court. Several other film and production companies have also threatened to pull out of Georgia because of the law. Yeah, of course they're going to pull out. You don't have access to abortion. That's... (laughs) 
one of your only options now. And you know, I know, I know Netflix wants people to think it's doing this out of principle, but remember, this law would affect their business. It is hard to Netflix and chill when chilling has become so much more risky. <laughs> chill is 70% of Netflix, my friends. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that they don't have a movie category called background shows for boning, just for that. <laughs> there should be some. And I, I respect what Netflix is doing, but I, I feel like they might not have a big enough show right now to be making those demands, you know? Because if, like, Game of Thrones had come in and been like, hey, before we air the last season, we want America back in the Iran deal, shit would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Trump would have been on the next plane to Tehran, like, we've got to save Jon Snow! He's the only one who loves walls as much as me. <laughs> and Netflix isn't alone. Netflix isn't alone. Many Hollywood productions are threatening to leave Georgia, right? Although that works for some shows better than others, because it doesn't matter if young Sheldon is shot in Georgia, but it does matter for Atlanta. I mean, it would be weird if they had to move Atlanta to, like, Salt Lake City. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it would change the show. You just have moments in every episode, like, hello, the boy of paper, we meet again. (laughs) And finally, let's go to that extreme weather that's all over the news. In the last 30 days, the Midwest has been hit by over five hundred tornadoes. Yeah. And people's nerves are starting to fray. The region around Dayton, Ohio is hit hard by tornadoes that left a path of destruction overnight. And one local weatherman lost it when some viewers attacked him for interrupting the broadcast of The Bachelorette for an urgent weather bulletin. This is a dangerous situation, okay? I was just checking social media. We have viewers complaining already. Just go back to the show. No, we're not going back to the show, folks. I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. Our job here is to keep people safe, and that is what we're going to do. Some of you complain that this is all about my ego. Stop. <laughs> just stop. Okay, just stop. Oh, man, this poor weatherman, you know? Like, he's, he's totally right. Think about it. These people are busy bitching about, like, missing a bit of the bachelorette when tornadoes are coming at their house. <laughs> no wonder he's mad. Although, I don't think you should get mad, Mr. Weatherman. You know what you should just do? You should just find out where these people live and then just give them incorrect weather reports. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, there's lightning everywhere except near Bill Peterson's house. It's great there. Go outside with an aluminum bat, Bill. See what happens. <laughs> I will say this, though. On the other hand, on the other hand, I understand why Bachelor Nation is so pissed off, right? Because it's not like this guy's the only source for weather. Yeah, he's like, if it wasn't for me, you'd all be dead. How would you know what's going to happen in the weather? It's like, yeah, we got phones. We got phones. I mean, (laughs) if a tornado comes, my phone will alert me, and then I'll check the alert, and then I'll get distracted by Instagram, and then the tornado will hit me while I'm liking photos. Very simple. (laughs) So I can see it both ways. Here's my compromise, right? I see what the weatherman is saying. I see what Bachelorette fans are saying, right? I think we should combine the two worlds. The weatherman should do the weather report, and if he needs to interrupt the Bachelorette, then he has to update us on both. So you gotta be like, we got a stage five tornado and even crazier, Luke P said I love you and it's only the second episode. This is wild. This is wild. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. Since the Mueller report was released six weeks ago, everyone has shared their opinion on what they think it means. According to President Trump, it's total exoneration According to the Democrats, it's the road to impeachment. And according to the fortune cookie I got last night, the lucky numbers are 614. (laughs) Which I think means Trump is gonna get impeached mid-June, maybe? (laughs) 
either way, everyone has weighed in on the Mueller reports. Everyone except Robert Mueller. Since the report came out, we haven't heard from him. In fact, you realize we haven't heard from him ever. (laughs) Think about it. This guy was in the news for two years and never said a word. We don't even know what he sounds like. Yeah. For all we know, Robert Mueller could talk like a minion. We don't know. (laughs) Yeah, he could come out and just be like, (laughs) No, Russia. Collusion. (laughs) We don't know. So that's why. That's why earlier today, it was such big news when out of nowhere, Robert Mueller announced that he would be making a statement on camera live at 11 a.m., which is a good time because The Bachelorette isn't on. (laughs) And nobody knew what the statement would be about, which meant that cable news had an hour to go into wild speculation mode. The big question is, what exactly will he address? Will he get into the substance of the report? Will he contradict the attorney general? Will he defend the investigators? Will he say anything about Congress? Will Robert Mueller only talk about part one? of the Mueller report and not part two. Will he resign? Will he rebut depictions of his report? Will he address his public testimony? Or will he bring charges? Or will he bring sexy back? Or uh, (laughs) will he tell us he's replacing Adam Levine on The Voice? Uh, Or will the news just wait for a goddamn hour to see what Robert Mueller actually says? I don't understand. I'll never understand why cable news is so obsessed with predicting something that we're all gonna find out anyway. Like, all of these people on the news would make the worst planet Earth narrators ever. Yeah. No, because David Attenborough, he doesn't predict. He just tells you what's going on. That's what makes it good. He's just like, the lion crouches in the tall glass. Her prey blissfully unaware of her presence. If cable news had that job, nature shows would suck. Be chaos. They'd be like, the lion is about to attack. Will it work? Will the gazelle get away? Will the buffalo stampede completely screw everything up? I think there's a chance that the gazelle might even eat the lion. We don't know what's going to happen here. This is madness. We're trying to figure this out. So after an hour, an hour of cable news trying to magic eight ball Mueller's press conference, finally, the man himself, the myth, the legend, stepped up to the podium and he said what he came to say. I'm speaking out today because our investigation is complete. I'll make a few remarks about the results of our work. Russian intelligence officers, who were part of the Russian military, launched a concerted attack on our political system. There were multiple, systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Okay. He says every American needs to pay attention to Russian meddling, but he's really talking to one particular American. (laughs) No, because let's face it, Trump is the only one that matters. I I don't think Mueller is going on TV because he's worried that Phil from Quiznos isn't taking America's election seriously (laughs) enough. Yeah, Phil's got enough on his plate securing the Quiznos bathroom, okay? It's for customers only. It says right there on the door, people. (laughs) I told them, Phil, I told them. But let's be honest, like, no one tuned in to hear Mueller talk about the Russians, right? People tuned in to hear if Robert Mueller thinks that the president obstructed justice or not. And the answer was a resounding... (laughs) Under long-standing department policy, a president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. Charging the president with a crime was therefore not an option we could consider. If we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. 
Wait, what? <laughs> if Trump didn't commit a crime, we would have said so? So Trump did commit a crime? <laughs> or did he just not not commit a crime? <laughs> like, Robert Mueller, why don't you just speak English, huh? <laughs> Even Yoda would be like, mm, report confusing you make. <laughs> what is this? Like, the press conference was so confusing. My, like, Mala might as well just have come out and said, okay, you have a chicken and a fox and a boat, and on the other side is obstruction, okay? <laughs> and look, and look, the way Mala phrased this information was confusing. But most people agree that the underlying message was clear, right? He said what he said, it was just hidden. Like, imagine you're about to have sex with someone, and you ask them, hey, do you have herpes? And their response is, well, if I had confidence that I did not have herpes, <laughs> I would have said so. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, this motherfucker has herpes. <laughs> That's what happened here. So for now, Robert Mueller refuses to just come out and say that the president has obstruction herpes. <laughs> and if you were hoping that Congress could force him to say it out loud, my friends, you are fresh out of luck there too. Now I hope and expect this to be the only time that I will speak to you in this manner. There has been discussion about an appearance before Congress. Any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. So beyond what I've said here today and what is contained in our written work, I do not believe it is appropriate for me to speak further about the investigation or to comment on the actions of the Justice Department or Congress. Mm, I don't have anything more to say and I'm leaving. See, that there, my friends, is the conviction of a man who has booked a non-refundable vacation. (laughs) He's not gonna let Congress screw it up. (laughs) And look, even though Mueller dropped a major hint, many people weren't satisfied with how little he said today. But I'll be honest, I don't think anyone's gonna shake this guy. And I know this because I sent our correspondents to the press conference to try and find out more. On these few remarks, it is important that the office's written work speak for itself. Mueller, ain't nobody about to read that long-ass report. Just tell us, is Trump guilty or not? We are not commenting on the guilt or the innocence of any specific defendant. The hell you ain't. Every defendant is presumed innocent. Get all that. It's got to be something on Trump in that folder. I want to see... The indictments allege, and the other activities in our report describe... catch you later on. ...efforts to interfere in our political system. Just give me the folder! They needed to be investigated. Get it from the other side, running. I got you, man. ...among the reasons why the Department of Justice established our office. That guy doesn't mess around. We'll be right back. You know, it's no secret that church attendance among young people has been dropping. Church is becoming less popular than a Michael Jackson impersonator at a children's birthday party. (laughs) And for a lot of the same reasons. But some churches, some churches are trying to fix that. And they're turning to technology to bring those millennials back. For more on this advancement, we turn to Ronnie Chang in his segment, Today's Future Now. Trevor. As a kid, I loved going to church. The stories had magic. They gave you snacks and wine. You didn't even need a fake ID. And they taught me how to judge others with a smug sense of superiority, a skill I still use today. 
Thank you, Jesus. And now there's a church in San Francisco that'll let me do all of that from the comfort of my own home. Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. DJ Soto's divine calling is to bring Christianity to virtual reality. So we have some worship music. I deliver a sermon. There's a prayer team. DJ Soto even officiated the first baptism in virtual reality. And I say it's probably what your church is like, just in VR. Does a virtual baptism even count? It just seems a little risky. Okay, virtual means not real. I don't want to get to heaven and God says, uh, "Hey, your your name is on the list," and I'll be like, "Oh, no, 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 it's okay. I got virtually baptized," and God's like, "Oh, great. Then I'm literally sending you to hell." Although I would hope that what you do in the virtual world doesn't count because that would mean in Mario I've committed total genocide repeatedly. Okay, but I will say. Pastor Morpheus is onto something because VR Church could be the key to finding salvation from boredom. I mean, if the sermon's going on too long, I'll just throw the headset onto my cat, and the pastor will be like, "Wow, Ronnie enjoyed the sermon so much. He spent the whole time licking his butthole." <laughs> Now, at least VR churches require some effort. Okay. On the other hand, the Church of England is letting Alexa do all the work for you. The Church of England launched a new project aimed at teaching faith through tech. Users can now ask Alexa to recite daily prayers or say grace. Alexa, ask the Church of England to say grace. Bless, O Lord, this food to our use, and us in your service. How lazy is this? You're outsourcing prayers to Alexa. Like, how does that work?、Uh, hey, Alexa,、uh, my gran is sick, so、uh, please pray for her. And also, I'm out of toilet paper.、Uh, do the toilet paper first; it's an emergency. This could also backfire because Alexa knows everything about you, which could get awkward. You'll be at family dinner, like,、uh, "Hey, Alexa, say grace," and Alexa's like, "Okay, bless the Lord." Bless this food, and please help Ronnie with his pornography addiction. Okay, so, shut up, Alexa. And where's my toilet paper? Anyway, what might be surprising is that the newest Jesus text seems to be coming from the oldest church. The Vatican is getting into video gaming. A Catholic evangelical group came up with a smartphone game similar to Pokemon Go, except you chase Catholic saints and other biblical figures, even Jesus. The game is called Follow JC Go. The church sees it as a way to reach younger Catholics. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Okay, Catholic church, kids, video games. Here comes the pedophilia joke, and you are absolutely correct. I don't think an institution known for priests luring children should be putting out a game to lure more children. Okay, I mean, where do you even catch the final Pokemon Jesus? Father Garrity's tickle tickle room. Okay, 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 Ronnie, well, Ronnie, Ronnie. Look, I think it's easy for you to criticize what the church is doing, but what do you think that they should do to attract the younger crowd? Dude, easy, Trevor. They don't need to update the tech. They need to update the Bible, make it fit the times. Actually, you know what? I've heard a lot of people say that it makes sense. Like you want them to get rid of all the judgment and the violence. No, no, Trevor. I didn't say make it for cucks. I said make it for the times. So instead of a whip, give Jesus a gun, a slick suit, and let him shoot the bad guys. Also, we need more dogs. Okay, everybody likes dogs. Ronnie, that doesn't sound like Jesus. That sounds like John Wick. Oh, yeah, it kind of does. And blessed be his name. Ronnie Chang, everybody. We'll be right back.
tonight is a community college professor who served as second lady of the United States during the Obama-Biden administration. She has written a new memoir called Where the Light Enters, Building a Family, Discovering Myself. Please welcome Dr. Jill Biden. The Daily Show. Audience. Oh, they're a, they're a wonderful audience. Wow. Yeah, we're having a great time. And Augustine's not even here. You should have. If he was here, I mean. Cool. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. And congratulations on genuinely one of the most surprising memoirs I've read recently. Really? Um, yeah, because I, I didn't know what to expect, uh-huh. but I didn't expect it to be as candid as it is. There's ups, there's downs, there's joy, there's pain. One of the things I didn't expect is how much of a prankster you are. Yeah. Well, I am. uh, You know, things in the White House are always pretty serious. And uh, so I like to make a little fun and have a a good time. So one of the pranks that I pulled, um, we were leaving on Air Force Two and I was coming from school and uh, I'm a teacher. And so um, I was waiting and waiting for Joe and he didn't get there. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to get in the overhead. So I climbed up under the... Most people would text, but yes, yes, carry on. So I got up on the table, and I opened it, and I climbed in. And then the first people, when they started, the staff came onto the plane, and I hid, and I had it down. And the first person that came to put their bags in, I, boom! (laughs) (laughs) And he he screamed for like 20 minutes. And I, I don't, bl- of all the things I would expect to find in an overhead bin, I can safely say the second lady of the United States <laughs> is not one of them. Um, you, also, you also wrote I love you to, to Joe on, on like the White House windows I one did. day. I did. As like, I mean, that's like graffiti and vandalism. <laughs> But, but, like, how do you... He loved it. Yeah, I mean, of course he did. And it feels like that's been a lot of your relationship, uh-huh. is finding the joy even in the serious moments. Is that what has kept you together for so long, is, is being able to laugh and share that joy yeah. together? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we do try to have the, the lighter moments, as you say. Right. And, uh, so that's part of our relationship. Yeah. Your, your, your journey has been one of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you talk in the book in, in really heart-wrenching and, and, and vulnerable ways about the loss that your, ex- your family has experienced. And that's become one of the things that has, in many ways, been a part of your story mm-hmm. for the American public, is the loss of the Bidens. When you talk about losing a son, when you talk about losing additional family members and the pain that you experience, how do you think that has changed how you view the people that you meet out there in America? Because a lot of people connect to you because yeah. of that loss. Well, you know, I think uh, after we lost our son, Bo, one of the things Joe and I decided was we had to find purpose in our lives. And there are so many people who are affected by cancer. And so we started our Biden Cancer Initiative so that we go all around the country and talk to people um, who've, uh, you know, experienced cancer. And I bet if I ask this audience, I bet every single one of you knows someone who has died of cancer, has cancer right now. Yes, see, you're shaking your heads. So we've tried to find purpose and, uh, you know, break down the silos and bring people together and right. get information out to people. You, you connect with the people on that level. You connect with people on a very different level in your profession. Mm-hmm. Um, being a teacher meant 
that you were the first, uh, I would say, second lady yeah, in, the, right. in, in the White House uh-huh. who had a full-time job. Yeah. Which is a very strange thing when you think about. I mean, it's the White Why House. Why is it strange? No, no, no. When, because, no, no, no. I think it's amazing, but it's strange because of the precedent that has uh-huh. been set. You, it's like you know, like your husband's in the White House, and you're like, all right, well, I'm I'm going to work. Was that strange for some people, like even the people at your school? This is so funny because a lot of my students did not know I was second lady. And uh, (laughs) this is the truth. This is the truth because they're working. They, you know, they're going to school. They have kids, jobs, etc. So I can remember the end of the first semester, I was giving a grade conference and a woman came in and she said, Dr. B., I saw you on the TV last night with Michelle Obama. (laughs) And I said, yes. And she said, and I said, Mom, Mom, come here. That's my English teacher. And her mother said, that's not your English teacher. That's the second lady of the United States. (laughs) Oh, I'm picturing them calling the dad, and they're like, Dad, Dad, who's that? He's like, that's the lady from the overhead compartment. (laughs) It's like layers of who you are in this world. Uh, you you love education. I it do. is something that you have dedicated your life to. Yeah. Um, and this is something that uh, Vice President Biden has just unveiled his education yes. plan yesterday. What was interesting, though, is that it, it states that educators deserve a partner in the White House. With President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, you'll get two. That's right. That's a very clear indication that you won't just be a passenger in this journey. You would be a co-pilot in discussing how America treats and shapes education. What do you think needs to be done? Because clearly it is broken right now. What do you think needs to be done? Well, the one thing I say to Joe all the time is that, you know, we have to make our education policy teacher centric. You know, the teachers have to give the input. We can't be like looking at them and saying, okay, this is what you have to do. The teachers have to be saying, this is what we want. And so we want a a secretary of education who's a teacher. And, And we want to raise up the profession. I mean, we are professionals. We want to be paid like professionals and respected like professionals. Right. Some some have said that they think America needs to shift the way it thinks of education. You know, I, like I won't lie, I've been shocked by how college centric America has been or is. Uh-huh. You know, it seems like that's the only uh-huh. path you can take. When in many countries, for instance, Germany, they've shown that vocational training is as important, mm-hmm. as lucrative, mm-hmm. and and I mean, I think it means that their workforce, kids that leave school there, join the workforce at a rate of eighty percent, and in America, it's below fifty percent. Do you think that, you know, America can reshape what education means and how people are taught? Absolutely. And, you know, I teach in a community college. And the interesting thing was uh, this semester I taught Trevor's book. And uh, oh wow! And my students. Yes. Have you read it? Have you read his book? Thank you. So my students loved the book and I got the audible tape and they listened to it and um, they loved Trevor's mother loved her because she was such a strong influence on him and gave him confidence and faith and believed in education. Right. And you're, we all said, we want her as our mother. So, right. you know, I... I but they also I, loved me. I'm from reading the book. I'm assuming. <laughs> no, they uh, loved your mother more, I hate to tell you. All right, let's move on. <laughs> um... <laughs> Let's talk about what is looming over the Biden household right now, and that is the campaign. 
you are beginning on a journey. It is, it really, because it's such a big undertaking. You have embarked on this journey two times previously. Uh This is your third time. You know how hard it is. You know how taxing it is. You know how invasive it is. You know how um, vitriolic it is going to be. Why would you do it? Why do you think Joe Biden should get back into it? And as his running partner, I mean, not his mate, but the person who's going to be on the campaign trail with him, like... Are you, are you guys ready for what's about to happen to your lives? Well, you know, the last two years, people have been coming up to me in the supermarket, in airports, wherever I go, and saying, your husband has to run, your husband has to run. And we, we weren't going to run, but then we kept hearing this, you know, this sort of rhythm, this role. And, uh, and so we started to think about it. And then we called our, well, we called our family together. We spoke to our children. We got our grandchildren all together. And we said, what do you think? Do you think Pop should run for president? And because if you, it's going to be nasty and it's going to be hard. And if you don't want Pop to do it, we will not do it. And to a grandchild, they said, Pop has to run. He has to change the direction and bring people together and stop all this vitriol in this country. When you, when you look at... Thank you. When you look at the hurdles you've had to overcome... Just to get uh-huh. to this point, you know, your husband is the front runner in the Democratic primary race right now. And there are ho- obstacles that you've already had to face. You know, for instance, um, there was the story of him just being too misogy mm-hmm. with people, you know. And, and at, as to everyone's, everyone said, not in a sexual way, not it. They were just like, we just, you know, some women were like, we, we weren't comfortable with that. You both came out and, and, and you spoke to it. Do you think that it is, it is strange or fair that sometimes you will get asked about things that should be asked to your husband, or do you think that's part of the game? No, I, I think that's part of it. And I think, look, you know, it, takes, it took a lot of courage for, uh, for women to step forward and say, you know, you're in my space. And, uh, and Joe heard that, and uh, it, it just won't happen again. I mean, right. he heard what they were saying. And so that's part of it. I mean, when you run together and I'll be out there with him, on the came campaign trail, because I really do believe myself that he will make the best president. So I'll be out there. Well, we'll see you there. We'll be following the race. Congratulations on an amazing memoir. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming yes. to the show. Thank Wonderful you. seeing you. <laughs> Where the Light Enters is available now. Dr. Jill Biden, everybody. <laughs> The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.